Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. Brought to you by Barclays. Hello, I'm Jackie Oatley and welcome to the latest episode of the official Barclays Premier League podcast. And it was a weekend where the chosen one and the special one had to share the spoils. We tried to go out there today, we tried to win. We just couldn't get that final moment, a final pass to get us the goal. We both want to win, but we both don't want to lose. So I think it was a real big, big match, but without goals. Cardiff shocked the title favourites. We're playing against top, top players here today. I spoke to my boys in there about the, how proud they should be because they deserve to be here. And it's about belief and believing in your ability. And Stokey. Asmir Begovic tells us how life has changed under Mark Hughes. There's been a difference, yes. I mean, the training's been really, really good with the new manager. We've enjoyed every minute of it. And, um, you know, he's trying to put some changes on and trying to make us better, and that's the goal. I'm joined by former Manchester City, Liverpool and Spurs striker Paul Walsh to reflect on all the action. Former Arsenal defender Nigel Winterburn explains why Arsene Wenger must strengthen his squad. Plus, we hear from a lifelong Everton fan about a Merseyside legend. And welcome back to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. And hello to Paul. Hi, Jackie. Well, just the 17 goals this weekend and three nil-nils. Are the Barclays Premier League defences finally biting back? I'm not really sure. Really. I think it might be a bit too early to say that. You know, defences like managers like to be organised. They don't like conceding goals. But, you know, I just think this might be one of those weekends. Um, I'm expecting goals over the season and I'm sure that, that goal tally will improve as we go through. Well, we have to start with Monday night's encounter at Old Trafford between David Moyes, Manchester United and Jose Mourinho's Chelsea. So much expected of this one, Paul, but in the end it fizzled out to something of a nervy nil-nil draw. You were there. Yep. Was it a bit of an anticlimax for oh, you? Definitely. I mean, I was massively excited. I sat there for about an hour before the game looking at the stadium thinking what a fantastic place to be able to play your football. The pitch was magnificent. The team's come out. It was great expectation and it didn't quite happen, did it? I mean, Chelsea not even playing with a, a recognised striker. Jose tried to justify that in a press conference after. I didn't really think it worked, but, you know, he was in no mood to concede that his, his tactics were wrong and yeah it just wasn't a great game I thought both sides gave the ball away too easily didn't have many chances the goalkeepers weren't that busy I thought Manchester United played you know the better football and looked more threatening for large parts of the game but uh, no one really worked the goalkeepers hard enough did they and in the end I think they both settled for that point Well a lot of the pre-match talk was about the meeting of the two managers let's hear from them now I thought we played well uh, disappointed we didn't get a goal from it but uh, it was tough Chelsea defended well when we had to but uh, I thought of, of MD she did the best chances it was certainly us but all I know is that we tried to go out there tonight we tried to win we just couldn't get that final moment or final pass to get us the, get us the goal Difficult match for them difficult match for us we both want to win but we both don't want to lose so I think it was a, a real big 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 match but without goals but in the end of the day we have six points in our matches at, at home some of our direct opponents uh, lost points uh, already. Uh, Arsenal three points, City three points, Man United two points, and us two points. So after this difficult start, we are fine. 
did Mourinho get what he came for? Possibly. I mean, it was a, a point for Chelsea is a slightly better result than it is for Manchester United, isn't it? And they've already had a good start. So I think, yeah, he was happy with the point. Um, it just didn't make for a great footballing occasion, did it? Like we was all hoping it was going to be lots of goals and entertainment and great football. It just didn't 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 appear. There's so much talk about Wayne Rooney and the build up <laughs> to the match. What did you make of his performance? He, he, he was excellent, I thought. You know, he was very professional. Um, what he was doing was just showing everybody how good a footballer he can be and whether it was at the show Man United fans what they might be missing if they let him go Jose Mourinho what a good player he was if they managed to do a deal who knows where it's going to turn out and it was interesting what the fans were singing you know Chelsea with fans were singing we'll see you next week and uh, the, the Man United fans were singing his name so you know they got a really good reception off the Man United fans Jose batted very carefully in the, in the post-match press conference about uh, the Rooney scenario saying that Wayne's basically got to say what he wants to do on the flip side of that David Moyes uh, totally sort of knocked that one back well, let's hear what Mourinho said when he was asked about signing the England striker. We have to speak, but this club must be a very special club because uh, in every club in the world, when, when a player wants to leave, <laughs> they don't support him. When a player wants to leave, they give him a hard time and they support him all the way. So I think this is a real special club with special fans and I think probably now he decides that uh, he wants to stay and uh, if he makes that decision, we will be the first to respect that and to say he's over. What do you make, Paul, of what Mourinho said after the match? Well, I think he's putting the ball in Wayne Rooney's court and saying, look, we want you. Do you still want to leave Manchester United? And then the best that Chelsea can do is put an improved offer in and see if that tempts Manchester United into to selling. Um, I just can't see it happening. I think Wayne Rooney would be a real danger to Manchester United if he went to Chelsea, you know, because I think that would fire him up, reignite him. He'd have a manager that loves him, wants him, plays him right in the position he wants to play in. And I think Man United just aren't going to allow that to happen. It would make United look like a selling club. Well, yeah, I mean, they'd get good money for him. Maybe they could then go and, I don't know if they've got any re- you know, realistic targets to replace him. They'd need one. Not so much a selling club, but, I mean, special circumstances. You've got England's main centre forward. He's been a great player for Manchester United over a number of years. Suddenly wants to leave, do they give him his wish and sell him? Not to Chelsea, I don't think. Well, the other main transfer saga this summer surrounded Spurs' Gareth Bale to Real Madrid, but David Moyes hasn't ruled out a late bid for the Welshman. Manchester United will always be interested in the best players and we're always looking to try and improve the team. You know, The owners have given me every opportunity to, to bring in whoever I want, so we'll continue to try and find those players. It's been tough in this window, I've got to say, but uh, we're always looking at the best players. Well, you were in David Moyes' post-match media press conference. What did he say about the transfer of Bale then? Well, he totally just said no in the in the post-match press conference, so um, maybe he'd have had a slight change of heart about 10 minutes later, I don't know, but um, they are going to be in for, for several players. I don't think Tottenham would actually want to sell to I think if Bale's going to go, I think Bale would also... Well, I don't know, Man United might be a tempter for him. Um, have they got £87 million? Pounds? Maybe they, well, they were going to go for Cristiano Ronaldo. Maybe they changed their tax and thought we'll go for Bale instead. Well, next up for United, Liverpool away. These games are also easy for him at the start of the season, aren't they? Well, it's nice that they're coming thick and fast at top games, but I just hope it's a better game than it was at Chelsea-Manchester United. Um, but yeah, this is Liverpool's biggest game of the season. Well, there's no Barclays Premier League match for Chelsea for three weeks due to their Super Cup meeting with Bayern Munich on Friday. But they sit top of the table at the moment with seven points. How satisfied will they be right now? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a good start for them. I thought they were fortunate against Aston Villa. Decisions went their way. Weimann had a couple of good chances and Czech made a couple of great saves. But I mean, Jose will be 
very pleased generally, sat there with the, with the seven points on his travels. Well, there was slightly more drama in South Wales on Sunday with newly promoted Cardiff City seeing off 2011-2012 champions Manchester City 3-2 to record their first win in the top flight since 1962. We all saw that one coming, didn't we? Not at all. I mean, it was one of those. I mean, when, when City went in front, it was, right, here we go, three or four maybe, but uh, it just didn't quite happen. And in the end, I couldn't believe the total turnaround and uh, Pellegrini just looked dumbstruck when I looked when I seen pictures of him. You know, how did this happen? But fair play to Cardiff and the fans and the, the atmosphere at the stadium was absolutely amazing. Must have given their players a great lift and it was great for Fraser Campbell to get you know on the score sheet a couple of times. But then the analysts are out and looking at the changes that City have made defensively in the man-to-man marking versus zonal marking. I don't like zonal, but you can also argue on this occasion, man-to-man didn't work either. Well, there's no doubt the atmosphere inside the Cardiff City Stadium played a huge part in the victory, which midfielder Craig Bellamy acknowledged afterwards. The crowd were great from you know from start to finish and they kept with us they kept us going and um, you know we can hold them responsible really for the three points you know they were they were incredible today and we you know this Premier League so tough and not every week we're going to have Man City but you know one or two teams you know when Stokes and all that are going to come here we're going to need them to be as positive as that if we're going to try and stay in this league. What did you make of their performance specifically? They grew into the game I mean they had to hold on for large periods under pressure and be solid and try and frustrate Manchester City they managed to do that but still found themselves a goal down and then all of a sudden just an amazing chain of events happened and it's sometimes football's difficult to explain and no one saw it coming but it did and it just turned you know the atmosphere around I mean the state the atmosphere in the stadium was brilliant anyway and the fans were behind them totally for the whole 90 minutes but in the end they were just so jubilant with their victory it was it was it was a fantastic day for the club well let's hear from the Cardiff City manager now Malky Mackay who was understandably delighted with his team's performance it was a bit being professional not being caught up because we've got a fantastic crowd here and for the first time in our history we're in the Premier League playing against a team who, who we go a goal down against and they only lost one game last year from being a goal down Man City and they've got a tremendous clean sheet record and we knew that it was going to be tough at that point but we were disciplined organised and I, I thought there was a lot of belief in the ability today we're playing against top top players here today I spoke to my boys in there about the, how proud they should be because they deserve to be here and they deserve to be out there playing against those top players and it's about belief and believing in your ability It's Malcolm Mackay's first win in the top flight how impressed have you been by his approach to this season? Well it's always difficult isn't it for the promoted team and, and you know he's tried to get a balance in a team where he can defend be hard to beat but still have an attacking threat and that is the balance you've got to try and create and uh, you know especially when you're at home because the fans want to see you going forward but when you're playing a top team that's not always easy to do so to keep themselves in the game and then give themselves that chance I think he struck the right balance should Manchester City fans be concerned at all? Yeah, of course you're going to be. You don't expect to get beaten by Cardiff. And so so early in the season, you know, losing three points is, is already a big blow, even at this stage. But I think that will focus the minds very sharply, very quickly, you know, because they were excellent in the first game against Newcastle. So we've seen what great football they can play. Didn't quite reproduce it and things didn't go their way against Cardiff. Well, coming up, we'll be speaking to Stoke goalkeeper Asmir Begovic and we'll be hearing from Steve Bruce and Paolo Di Canio. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Jackie Oatley. Barclays Premier League epitomises how the game's being played and supported in the right way with moments that define the spirit of football. If you see something that you want to celebrate, it's a player applauding the fans or a coach who's dedicated year after year to a youth team or a person who's been slicing the oranges at your local club for years, you can tweet those moments to at Barclays Footy with a hashtag YouAreFootball or post them on the Barclays Football Facebook page. Now, Rio Ferdinand has tweeted a clean sheet on my 300th Barclays Premier League appearance for Manchester United. 
would have liked to win, but a draw was probably the fair result. And Jack Wilshire of Arsenal, very proud to have played 100 games for the club I've grown to love. A dream come true. Thank you to all the fans for all your continued love. Now to the Britannia Stadium next, where Mark Hughes marked his first home game in charge of Stoke with a nervy but crucial 2-1 victory over new boys Crystal Palace. Let's hear from the relieved Stoke manager. It's good to get the win. Obviously, the longer uh, you don't have a win, people will jump on that. But uh, we need to play better and we can play better and we will play better in the future because uh, we're just a, a group that's coming to terms with uh, the way I feel we can play. And on other days, we'll be more fluid and more effective. But in the end, we got the job done today. So that was the important thing. And to discuss this match in more depth, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line now by the Stoke goalkeeper, Asmir Begovic. Thanks for joining us, Asmir. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, a hard-fought first win of the season for you. Just how much of a relief was it to take all those three points in the end? Um, a big relief for us. Obviously, we wanted to get on the board uh, and get our season going. And, you know, our first home game, that was a big occasion. So um, it's important for us to get the three points, even come back from the 1-0 down and show a lot of character and spirit in the second half and get the result that we needed. You were 1-0 down at half-time at home to newly promoted Crystal Palace. So there was a lot of pressure on you to win the match. Well, what did Mark Hughes say to you at the break? Well, we just kind of needed to liven up our game. I mean, Crystal Palace came out really well, put us under a lot of pressure in the first half, and um, we didn't cope with that too well. And we just kind of needed to speed up the game, put them under a bit of pressure, press them higher up the pitch, and uh, we managed to do that second half and get a good couple of goals and a good couple of finishes. Well, Mark Hughes, of course, replaced Tony Pulis in the summer, and Hughes has said that he wants to change the type of football that Stoke play. Have you noticed a big difference in the training methods? There's been a difference, yes. I mean, the training's been really, really good with uh, with the new manager and his uh, backroom staff. So we've enjoyed every minute of it. And, um, you know, he's trying to put some changes on and trying to make us better. And that's ultimately the goal. How difficult is it to try to change the style of play whilst also picking up the results you need? Well, it can be a challenge, but I think we've got some really good players in the the dressing room. And uh, I'm sure with the quality we have, the guys can adapt to different styles and different methods, you know, easier than some others. So, um, I think we're confident we can do that and we just have to kind of grind our results at times. You know, it's not going to be pretty at every single game. So sometimes, you know, you have to do what it takes to get the results and uh, we're going to keep trying to do that. You personally, Asmir, have had a, a really strong start to the season, not least against Liverpool when you were kind of busy and there's been a lot of talk about you and your future. What are the chances that you might actually leave the club in this transfer window? You know, as far as I'm aware, the chances are pretty slim. <laughs> I'm quite settled and happy here and I was enjoying my work each and every day and, uh, that's my only goal is to get better every day, going to work and work hard and trying to better myself and um, enjoying working with a new gaffer, working with the goalkeeper coach and all the other players. And um, it's just a joy to be in work every day. There's been a lot of speculation, of course, that you've been linked with Manchester City and also Arsenal. Has there been any offers for you? No, I haven't had any offers or any talks that I can say for sure. And uh, just worried about my job here. I've got a little break in the summer. Came back pre-season refreshed and just really quick kick on again this season. There's a lot of strength in depth there at Stoke, isn't there? You've got Thomas Sorensen on the bench and you've also got the young talent of Jack Butland hard on your heels. That's it. I mean, we've got a really good group of goalkeepers. I mean, I've worked with years now and just Jack this past couple of months. And, um, you know, he's, he's a really good kid and we're all talented. And just obviously keeps you on your toes and that, that's what you need. I'm happy with the competition. I'm enjoying training with these guys every day and long may continue. We've had a couple of questions in from some fans, Asmir. Mo Orphy says, what's your favourite ground in England? The Britannia aside, of course. To be honest, I think Anfield's a fantastic place to play, like Goodison Park as well. Just the kind of old-fashioned English grounds with the atmosphere, with the fans being on top of you is a, is a really, really cool place. 
Well, looking at your next three fixtures for Stoke Asme, you've got West Ham away next, then Manchester City at home, then Arsenal away. What sort of points target would you hope to get from those three? Um, well, we want to get some points in each and every game. I think that's the goal. They're very tough fixtures for us. But we believe in the quality we have in our dressing room. We believe in the guys that we, we have here. So we're going to go into every game positively and see what we can achieve. I think we have you know nothing to lose in a couple of games. So we're going to try and put our best performance in and see what we can get out of, out of those games. Thanks, Asmir. No, thank you, Jackie. So, Paul, somewhat surprising, no offers from another club for Asmir Begovic and no talks about a move either. What do you make of that? Well, you can only talk about a move if there's a, an offer that the club's accepting. Uh, other than that, the club may have had a bid, but the player would know about it because the agents are involved in everything. So for him to say that, I am surprised. You know, he's been on uh, you know, every top club's radar, I would have thought, when they're, when a top club's been looking for a club. Someone like Arsenal, you, you think maybe would be interested. I mean, all down to price again. You know, if Stoke really want to keep him they could price him out of the market he's under contract but yeah I'd be surprised if there hadn't been interest in him because he's been excellent for a couple of seasons now As for Palace that's now two narrow defeats out of two since they returned to the top flight and somehow there seems to be pressure in inverted commas oh, on Ian Holloway already what's that all about? Yeah exactly I mean give the man a break I mean he's, he's got them up before we've even given him enough credit for getting them up we're talking about not sacking him but putting him Some under pressure Some people are Well you know it's, it's bonkers the chairman pulled a trigger or started to get nervous around the, the November time if things are going really poorly because that's when they think if they've got to get someone else in that they can affect the, the, the transfer window and maybe change things about. But at this stage, it's absolutely ridiculous. Two tough games away at Stoke's always going to be a tough game and home to Tottenham and they've both been difficult places to go. So he's just got to keep the players positive and go into the next game and try and get a result. So Crystal Palace are now the only newly promoted side without a win after Hull City also got off the mark at the weekend with a hard-fought 1-0 victory over Norwich at the KC Stadium. And they had to do it the hard way after going down to 10 men after just half an hour. Here's their manager, Steve Bruce. I'm delighted with the performance of the 10 lads who put in a wonderful show and dug in and worked extremely hard to make sure that we looked after the result. It'll give us a little bit of confidence that obviously the club needs, that we can play at this level. We showed in the second half at Chelsea glimpses of it. We can play at this level and it's going to be difficult for us, but there's evidence that we, uh, we might be OK. Well, credit to Steve Bruce for the way his side was so organised and the fact they all knew their jobs and, and managed to hold on for so long for the victory. Yeah, that's tough, you know, being down to 10 men for an hour. You know, again, there would have been pressure on him. It's a home game against Norwich. It's a game where you feel like you could pick up points, but then you make it harder by yourself by going down to 10 men. But they stay organised. Um, Norwich did have chances. I thought Van Wolfswinkel went close. Fur went close. So they had a few frights, but managed to get over the line with the three points intact. As for Norwich, that's now just one point from two matches, the other one being against Everton. Should Chris Hutton be worried about the lack of cutting edge up front, having played for an hour with that extra man? They did have chances, but, you know, at this level, you have to take those chances. But these players are learning to play at this level and there's pressure to score and sometimes that just makes you a little bit anxious in front of goal. Pressure, pressure. There's yeah. pressure everywhere in the Barclays Premier League, it seems. We've only played two games. Well, to the south coast, Sunderland were denied their first win of the season by a late Jose Font equaliser as Southampton salvaged a one-all draw. Now, I was at that match, Paul, and it yeah. was virtually all Southampton for the second half. And yes, they were relieved to get a point, but they're also slightly disappointed they didn't get all three. Yeah, I mean, when you've had so much of the ball, so much of the play, and you find yourself a goal down, that's disappointing again. But Fonte saving it late in the game with a, with a towering header. So, in the end, you're happy to get a point, but 
when you reflect on it and you know, look at the game and, and how much of the ball and possession they had, you're almost disappointed you didn't get three. And Pochettino spent £15 million, a club record fee on Dani Osvaldo. He really got stuck in when he came on. There's only two players who scored more Serie A goals than Osvaldo last season. What did you make of him? Yeah, well, I, I haven't seen too much of him. So uh, I've heard he's a bit of a hothead, um, bits and pieces about him. He says he's not. And um, yeah, I'm interested to see him. I, I don't know too much about him. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he develops at Southampton. He does admit that he's no angel, which I think <laughs> yeah. tells you something about yeah. what we've got to look forward to in the Barclays Premier League. Well, as for Sunderland, it was a very tough late blow for them to take, but their manager, Paolo Di Canio, was in philosophical mood afterwards. When you get closer to the final whistle, you know, you hope that you can go out with the three points. But uh, thinking now and uh, talking in an honest way, we didn't deserve to win because Atento did better than us today. But one point is uh, it's good enough away from home. Giacarini scored his first goal for the club and he looked quite impressive for them. But in that match, they seemed to be deficient in midfield. It was surprising that Cabral, the one central midfielder they did bring in, was left on the bench. He done well in the first game and then suddenly he's not in, in the next game. But I mean, I, I know Gardner well, you know, you know Larson well, you know what they're going to give you. Maybe just felt maybe away from home. These players would be more suited to the situation why Cabral you know, integrates a bit more into the club. Um, only the manager really knows why he's changed that. But uh, it's a long season. All these players are going to you know, come in and out of the team because he's tried to build a squad there that gives them a better chance when they have to make changes. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Arsene Wenger, Andre Villas-Boas and Daniel Sturridge. I'm here with Paul Walsh as we review all the weekend's action. But it's time now for our half-time tweets. Cardiff City's two-goal hero Fraser Campbell has tweeted a picture of himself sporting a huge grin. This is my happy face, he says. Great game today. The fans were first class. Campbell's former Sunderland teammate Carlos Cuellar replied, Congratulations, my friend. Amazing performance. Great goals. West Brom's 25-year-old goalkeeper Luke Daniels came off the bench to replace the injured Ben Foster against Everton, and he tweeted, Absolutely buzzing to make my Barclays Premier League debut. It's been a while, but worth the wait. And some tweets from fans who've used the hashtag YouAreFootball, talking about 86-year-old Evertonian Billy Ingham. BT Bay tweeted, Billy coming out at the start yesterday at Goodison Park was epic. He got to realise a childhood dream. And Sam Bell has tweeted simply, the Barclays You Are Football advert is beautiful. It's all down to Billy, I'm sure, who will talk more about a little bit later on. Remember, you can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the Barclays Premier League by following at Barclays Footy on Twitter, hashtag You Are Football. To the Saturday lunchtime match now, where Arsenal bounced back from their opening day defeat by Villa last weekend to record an impressive 3-1 win at London rivals Fulham. And to discuss this match and the Gunners' start to the season in general, I'm joined on the line now by former defender Nigel Winterburn. Thanks for talking to us, Nigel. Good morning. Well, that's now two good away wins in four days for Arsene Wenger's men after that 3-0 Champions League win at Fenerbahce. A lot can change in a week, can't it? Well, it certainly can. I mean, uh, my take on it has been the same. It has really been from probably Christmas of last season, that Arsenal have got um, a tour of good young players at the football club. But having looked at the way they finished last season, I think, um, and everyone was talking about them being re-strengthened, and that hasn't happened. And uh, all of a sudden, they've let 17 players go in, in the summer. If you get Arsenal's first 11 out on a given day, it'll be a match for anybody. But their squad is very shallow at the moment. I, I looked the other day, I think there's only about 17 players that you would consider for first-team duty. 
And when you're uh, firing on all fronts, that's going to be very difficult. But they've bounced back well from the Aston Villa defeat. You know, against Fernabachi was a good result and a terrific result against Fulham away, who have proved very difficult for Arsenal to beat over recent seasons. Well, next up for Arsenal, the small matter of Spurs at home on Sunday. So will manager Arsene Wenger have added to his squad by then? We have not a fixed number. I just think we are a bit short at the moment. But I believe that uh, the most important is to focus on the quality of the squad I have and uh, to play the football we want to play. I'm, you know, I'm guided by uh, my conscience to do as well as I can for this club and by the vision of the game I want to play. And uh, I feel with the players I have, I can play the football we want to play. And I'm a great admirer of uh, the spirit, the attitude of these players. Uh, They are special. And uh, if I want to add something, it has to be special. What sort of signing is a priority, do you think, Nigel? Which department? Well, I don't think it's one. I think they need several signings. When you look at the centre-forward situation uh, with Giroud, who I think is doing a decent job. I mean, he's had a lot of criticism, but 17 goals last season. Started the season well this season. I think everyone was comparing him to Robin Van Persie. That was completely wrong. He's a different type of player. I don't ever see him scoring the amount of goals that Van Persie scored, but he's a decent player to have within your squad. But... Arsenal need another top-notch uh, centre-forward to complement him as well. They certainly need possibly a holding midfield player, another centre-half, and then people are looking at the goalkeeping situation as well and saying, well, Sejny's going to be their number one, but last season he was poor by his standards. He made a couple of mistakes against Aston Villa, but again, he's played really well in the, in the last two games. So uh, it's not one specific area, but they probably need to bring in four or five um, players to really give this squad a lift and, and to re-strengthen it in, in terms of its depth. Nigel, you know Arsene Wenger very well and you know people at the club. Can you shed any light on why they seem to be the only club who can't sign players? I think Arsenal tried to make a statement earlier in the transfer window. We all heard about Higuain's transfer that was supposed to be all done and dusted. And then the goalposts seemed to move with Real Madrid in terms of Napoli came in and offered a substantial amount of money more than Arsenal bid. As I understand it, Arsenal had that deal tied up. But as soon as Napoli came in and offered the excess money, Arsenal simply refused to compete with that. And then they looked at the Suarez deal. I mean, I was saying that it would be a fantastic signing for Arsenal, but I'm not sure that it was ever really going to get going. Now time's running out and people are sitting here thinking, will they get anybody? I'm sure they will, but it looks like, again, it's going to be, we're going to move into the last two or three days and... Hopefully Arsenal will bring in, as I said to you, I think they probably need four or five players. Whether they'll get that amount, I have my doubts, but that's my feeling that they do need that amount of players just to re-strengthen the squad. Nigel, what are you expecting from that match at the Emirates on Sunday? Well, if it's anything to go with by, uh, in the last two or three seasons, we should expect plenty of goals. Tottenham have started the season very well. They've added to their squad. They look impressive. Arsenal at home, the Arsenal supporters will expect them to win this game or the pressure will come back onto Arsene Wenger. Okay, Nigel Winterburn, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Well, as for Fulham, there was real optimism before the match with new owner Shahid Khan making an on-pitch appearance after bringing in eight new signings since his arrival. Were they just outclassed, Paul, by the better team with Bent and Parker making their debuts? Yeah, they were outclassed. And uh, the other problem I thought they had was yeah, if you're going to play uh, Berbatov and Sarapt in the same team, um, when you haven't got the ball, that's more of a problem for them because Sarapt started on the left-hand side of a three up the top and wasn't great at getting back and doing that side 
the game. I thought Scott Parker for them was a, the the standout player for them. You know, he did well. Berbatov had a really poor day at the office, could, didn't get a look in. But it's nice for Ben to get on and just get his goal. Again, it was a, it was a ball from the right-hand side and Berbatov turned and hit it. It was a good save, actually, but just Johnny on the spot, Ben, just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, side foot finish, and at least he's off the mark. And, you know, they've got him to look forward to. Not to Villa Park next, where Liverpool made it two wins out of two after a workmanlike 1-0 victory over Aston Villa with Daniel Sturridge once again the match winner. Let's hear from the informed Liverpool striker who's relishing his football right now. Yeah, it was good to score, obviously. You know, that's what I enjoy to do and I enjoy to tap the team win games. The ideal situation is to keep winning games and, and if I'm on the score sheet, brilliant. You know, I want to I wanna make the England team for the World Cup and it's every player's dream to be playing in the World Cup and it's certainly something that I'd love to do. How good is Daniel Sturridge? Yeah, you saw the individual ability of his goal. He's, he's fantastic on his day. It was interesting, that post-match interview, because he was talking a lot of things about the team and trying to take the emphasis away from himself, whereas I think he has been a little bit selfish over the, over the years. And maybe his attitude or his understanding of the team has improved. But he was mentioning the right things. He's, he's had a great start. He's scored two goals. Um, Liverpool have had a good start. When Suarez comes back, it'll be interesting because I prefer Suarez at the top of the pitch, but then you have to move someone around and then you get less out of Sturridge if you move him out of that position. But uh, yeah, it's looking interesting for Liverpool and they've had a good start and the confidence is high. And Henderson even, you know, he's looked like a bit more of a player for me now. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of improvements. I like what Brendan Rodgers is doing. As for Aston Villa, this was their third game in seven days and manager Paul Lambert is proud how his players have coped with a congested start to the season. It was a big ask to go against such after a short time against Chelsea, but I thought they were brilliant in the second half. The goalkeepers had some two great saves, one for Chris, two for Chris and one in the first half, one in the second half. So I thought the second half we were very good. Listen, we played three teams that are vying probably to win the Champions League and with a young side, but I think the improvement is there for everybody to see. Thoughts on Villa so far? Yeah, I mean, started off with that great result uh, you know, at the Emirates and then obviously had to go to Chelsea. That was always going to be tough. But I, and I thought they were dead unlucky at Chelsea with decisions going against them. The handball with the John Terry. Feynman had a couple of great chances and check made saves with his legs. And then to have Liverpool come in and, and uh, to play your next, who started very well, was, was it going to be another big ask for his young players, as he just said? Um, I thought Liverpool were really good in the first half and they struggled, Villa. But I think if you'd have looked at their first three games and said you'll have three points, they might might have settled from that before them. So it's not a disaster. They've got an away win that they maybe never thought they'd get. And they've looked promising as well compared yeah. to, to the tough start last season. Now to another Merseyside Midlands encounter at Goodison Park where Everton were unable to get off to the winning start at home under new manager Roberto Martinez playing out a goalless draw with West Brom. I thought we were magnificent off the ball, the way we, we work for each other, the way we, we suffocated West Brom's play and we limit them to very little. Then on the opposite, probably, we had the open chance to win the game and probably that's what we deserve today. In the second half, I thought we took control of the game and there are certain aspects that we need to be a little bit more patient to open teams up, but uh, all in all, it was a, a performance that probably deserved the three points and we couldn't, we couldn't get them. So, no goals to discuss, but it was an emotional day at Goodison Park. There was a standing ovation before kick-off for Billy Ingham, the 86-year-old Everton fan and star of the current Barclays TV advert. He stood in the centre circle and led the tributes during a minute's applause for the former Toffees star Dave Hickson, who died at the age of 83 last month. And we can speak now to Everton season ticket holder Dave Cochran, who knew Hickson well. Dave, we'll talk about the match shortly, but first to Dave Hickson. He played for the club in the 1940s and the 50s, and you've been attending home matches with him for years. What was he like? It's an absolutely smashing fella, absolute gentleman, pleasure to be with, and his loss or gotten, to be honest. He was idolised by everyone, to be fair. He was just so friendly. 
the car was only 50 yards from the main entrance when I used to go to the game with him. And it used to take him an hour to get to the car. He would not leave without everyone getting an autograph or a picture. I'd like to thank Evan as well, the way they treated Dave, the former players and Everton SC for everything they'd done for Dave, from the funeral to the minutes of applause for everything they'd done. Everton were fantastic over that. And Dave Hickson, one of only three men to have played for all three Merseyside clubs, Everton, Liverpool and Tranmere. That's quite an achievement, isn't it? It is, you know, and um, but every club we went to, I was talking to Ian St John at the funeral and he said, you know, we played for this year, absolute gentleman. And he was, he was idolised at Liverpool. Apparently, when Dave Hickson signed for Liverpool, 10,000 Evertonians went to watch him. That's some, that's some doing, isn't it? Another thing is, I was speaking to a, a fella at the funeral who actually biked it to Birmingham when Dave signed for Aston Villa to watch him <laughs> on, a, on a bike. Well, he must have been a special player and a special person for that to happen. But Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know how well you know Billy Ingham because he was presented to the fans on Saturday before kick-off, the 86-year-old star of that lovely Barclays TV advert. Do you know him at all? I actually met him on Saturday, Jack, believe it or not. And I tell you what, he gave us some stories. You've seen Dixie Dean, you've seen everyone, Dave Ixon. Oh, he gave us some stories. He's a lovely fellow as well. On to the match itself now. It was Roberto Martinez's first league game at Goodison Park. How did you rate the performance? We lacked cutting edge, Jack. Didn't have that, you know, that killer instinct in front of goal. We need to get Jelovic firing again. And I think he, I think he needs support up front. They still play with the one up front with, with a bit of support behind him. But I think if you have two up top, I think the likes of West Brom, no disrespect to West Brom, they're a very good side and a very solid side. And I think we need two people up front to try and break through their defence because we couldn't break them down and... You know, we had plenty of attempt, but just didn't have that killer instinct, Jack. What are the fans saying about Roberto Martinez as the manager of Everton now? The fans are taken to him, Jackie, because he's he's saying the right things. Things like he said that the away, away he always knew Evans' away fans was good, but said when you're with them, because it's immense. Things like we want to get some silverware. This is Everton. We can't be second best. We're here to win silverware. He's saying the right things, and he plays nice football, Jackie. You're away at Cardiff City this weekend. Are you worried after they beat Manchester City on Sunday? <laughs> I am, to be honest. They played quite well, to be fair to them. They made the most of the set pieces and they pressed City wherever they can along the pitch and I thought they done really well. Campbell's a bit of a set up front and they've got a good team to have a good team spirit. They've got very passionate supporters behind them. Yeah, it's going to be tough, Jack. I'm not, really not looking forward to it. I've just got me ticking in my hand as we speak now. <laughs> Dave, I have to ask you finally, will Everton finish above Liverpool this season what do you reckon have you got a chance I've got to say yeah we'll come good I think the two got to a flying star two wins two one nils two clean sheets as well but I just think that's the best that they're going to get I, I, I don't know I think I think Evan will, will start keeping them catching them and I think we'll overtake them and hopefully finish above them I hope so Jack I've got a couple of quid on it so <laughs> <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to say that haven't I <laughs> a couple of quid on it and your entire heart no doubt is on the line oh. here <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why my voice is a bit croaky at the moment, Jackie. It's uh, Saturday, to be honest. Dave, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on the Barclays Premier League podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jack. Uh, Paul, your thoughts on Everton under Roberto Martinez. How different will they be compared to the David Moyes years? Well, you know, I don't think he wants to, to make them that much different. I mean, they've got a lot of the same players. Obviously, he's, he's brought in Kone, who came on as a substitute. And Barkley's come through. What a fantastic strike he had against Norwich. And he's maturing and growing and getting confidence at this level. And he could be a real player for them. My worry for them is, that, you know, in this last week of the window, Fellaini, who could have won the game for him by hitting the post, is if their two big hitters go. And that, that is a possibility. I think Manchester United are going to want to do some business and they will have to up their offers. And I just think Everton are a selling club. There'll be a point that tips it just over the edge and, and that would be my worry.
Well, as for West Brom, that's now one point and no goals in their first two matches. Do we read much into that? Well, you know, the last couple of seasons, they've been right up there early doors and in the division and they've had a good start and not been able to keep it going. Slightly fell off of that, which you'd expect because I see them as a mid-table team. But you always wonder with West Brom, if they started poorly and the confidence levels were low, how they would dig themselves out of that. And concerns over a couple of players. Of course, they're without Anelka for personal reasons. And yeah. then Ben Foster, after he said he felt something pop in the last game. Yeah, well, he's been a top player for them you know he's a very good goalkeeper so you would miss him and the Nelka one's totally out the blue so a player of his quality and his experience is going to be a miss when you thought you had him in the fold so don't know where that one's going at the moment but they're two important players that they could definitely do with well we'll round up our look back at the weekend's fixtures with two closely fought encounters at White Hart Lane and St James's Park firstly a word on your old club Spurs and their 1-0 win over Swansea well they're digging results out at the moment yeah I'm just trying to come to terms with all the new players and what their real positives are for Tottenham but they're all looking like good signings so far. Obviously, this is all being bought with the Gareth Bale money that's 99% going to happen this week, I would think. And they've had to remodel the team. So it's just it's just settling down at the moment. I mean, Townsend's come in and, you know, he, he looks like he could be a real player for Tottenham, a real bonus that's maybe surprised them slightly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, scrape through again, you'd say. And that's two wins. Their confidence is high. And a couple of goals for Roberto Soldado, their new signing as well. He's also got a couple in the Europa League. Yeah, so he started well, and that's massively important. Not just signing for a new team. You're in a different country. You're getting used to the the culture and everything. And for him to, to get those goals under his belt makes him feel loved and confident very early, and that helps him on his way. I know you love these stats, Paul. Spurs have lost just two Barclays <laughs> Premier League matches since the 9th of December 2012. He's shaking his head. <laughs> well, Spurs were again without Gareth Bale, whose future at White Hart Lane is looking more and more uncertain. So, although I think we know what the answer is going to be to that, but manager Andre Villas-Boas is preparing for life beyond the Welshman. We've gone on with our business, uh, achieved our results. Uh, Gareth, uh, unfortunately for, for him, for us, uh, hasn't been uh, part of uh, our squads. So, uh, you know, we have a big squad, we have big talented players and we were able to grind out the, the results that we want. So at the moment, you know, I think this team can only develop forward towards the future. We can be um, even stronger with Gareth or, or uh, even stronger without. Well, we've heard enough about Gareth Bale, so let's talk about Swansea instead. Two defeats out of two, is that significant for you? Well, no, they've had two really tough games to start with. You know, he's made quite a few signings. Um, interesting that Boney was, has come off the bench on both of them rather than, you know, maybe in the starting eleven. So, you know, maybe he's just taking his time getting settled. And that's the difference of what I was talking about with maybe Saldado at Tottenham, getting amongst the goals and flying early doors versus a player that takes a little bit more time to acclimatise into his new surroundings. But they've got good players. I don't expect them to struggle. But again, it's one of those teams, like I was talking about with West Brom, if you get off to a poor start and, you know, the players are playing with a lack of confidence early on, results can go wrong for you. Now, finally, your thoughts on Newcastle's nil-nil draw with West Ham. Both managers coming up against their former clubs. What do we learn from that match? Nothing. Um, I didn't enjoy what I saw of it. Actually, Nolan could have won it with a header. By his standards, he'd be really disappointed that he didn't finish the job off. For me, it looked like West Ham had the better chances. Pardew having a tough time at the minute, certainly with Kabai, you know, what's happening with him. I'd be really disappointed in his attitude to, you know, not playing. I mean, you've got Fellaini and Baines at Everton, who Man United want, but they're still playing. You've got Rooney at Manchester United who played, get your head down and do your job. And if a deal gets done, it gets done. He's a good player for Newcastle and they'll be missing him. So is he thinking, I don't want to play in case I get injured and then that's my dream move ruined? Well, if his attitude's wrong and the manager don't feel like he can rely on him, he can't play him and I think that's what's wrong.
Well, let's take a quick look now at this weekend's Barclays Premier League fixtures. Just the nine matches as Chelsea and Aston Villa played their match last week due to Chelsea's involvement in the Super Cup coming up this Friday. So Manchester City against Hull, Newcastle United versus Fulham, Norwich Southampton, Cardiff Everton, West Ham Stoke. I'm looking forward to that one. Crystal Palace, Sunderland. And on Sunday, Liverpool, Manchester United jumps out at you. West Brom versus Swansea and Arsenal, Tottenham. That one should be yeah. fun too. But for me, the Sunday game games are really interesting a because Liverpool Manchester United is always a massive game and Liverpool have started well but even the West Bromwich game versus Swansea because West Brom haven't started well Swansea haven't started well Swansea be going there thinking they can win and West Brom are thinking right we've got Swansea this is a game we can win so that's quite intriguing in itself and then you've got the North London derby which is which is always a massive occasion and I'm going to that one just as a as a fan for the day so I'm really looking forward to it I don't really know how to call it at the moment I just hope it's a great game with a few goals in and not disappointing like uh, Man United Chelsea was last night. Well, isn't that the beauty of it, that we just have no idea who's going to win these matches? And because we have no idea, we're going to ask you quick (laughs) yes, no, one-word answers. Can Cardiff's fans inspire them again? A second successive home win, this time against Everton. Yes. Will Ian Holloway get his first win back in the top flight at home to Sunderland? I hope so. Hang on, that's three. That's cheating. <laughs> I hope so, because I love Ollie and he needs a win. But uh, I can't say yes or no, because there's a question mark over it. Yes, I'm going to say yes. Is anyone counting how many words that was, by the way? Yeah, yes. <laughs> and who's going to come out on top between Rogers and Moyes? Rogers. Will West Brom score their first goal of the season when they play Swansea? Yes. Can Arsenal or Spurs keep a clean sheet in the North London derby? No. Good for the neutral. We don't want any clean sheets, thank you. Why don't you tweet us your weekend predictions at Barclays Footy with a Y. You can use the hashtag YouAreFootball. Well, that's just about it for this week. My thanks to Paul Walsh for his company. And before we go, here's this week's trivia teaser. Darren Bent's goal for Fulham at the weekend means he's now scored for six different Barclays Premier League clubs. Can you name the seven other players to have achieved this feat? If you think you know the answer, log on to the Barclays Football Facebook page and tell us what you think. And we'll post the correct answers on the site later on in the week. Remember, you can tweet us throughout the week at Barclays Footy with your footballing stories or thoughts wherever you are in the world. We'll be back next week to look back on all the weekend's action, including a couple of heavyweight clashes on Sunday with Liverpool hosting arch-rivals Manchester United and then Spurs making the short trip to the Emirates to take on Arsenal in the North London derby. But until then, from Paul Walsh and from me, Jackie Oatley, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.